0: I speak to you in the name of our one God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. In seminary, my friend Frank told us the story about one day when he argued with his sister. At the time, Frank was about eight years old and his sister was almost ten, and they were building the Lego Hogwarts building from Harry Potter when his sister the older one, accused him of not doing it correctly. So she reached out to grab the instructional booklet from Frank. Frank pushed her away, she pushed back, he pushed again, and this time she crossed into a different Lego structure, sending Legos everywhere. Frank was pretty angry at this point, and he began to wrestle her to the ground just when their mother walked into the room. Frank knew he was in trouble, And said, Only as an eight year old can, she's my sister, I can do what I want. His mother ran over and began to pull him off his sister, and she said, She's my daughter, and no, you can't. Frank's anger almost got the better of him that day, and he is not alone. Anger is prevalent in our society, possibly more prevalent now than ever. According to the Gallup Global Emotional Index for 2022, at least a quarter of people reported feeling angry the day before. In the United States in 2019, pre-pandemic, 42% of those polled said they were angrier in the past year and they had been further back in time. And 71% said they were often or sometimes angry when checking the news. After all, there is a sense with social media today, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Yes, some things generate righteous anger, but most of our anger isn't that, and even righteous anger has its downside. When we are angry, we subject another person to our judgment. We become a little less human each time we are angry. Anger harms our mental and physical health, our work, and our relationships with others and with God. Jesus knows this. In our gospel reading today, the first part of it at least, which forms part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks about anger. And in this reading, we see Jesus taking old material from the Torah and the law and giving it new interpretations. This happens all throughout this reading today, actually through the entire Sermon on the Mount. And so God provided the Ten Commandments and the rest of the Torah law to Moses to point the people of Israel toward life. To set them free to make good and healthy choices so that they could maintain their relationships with one another and with God. Jesus goes further and he extends the Ten Commandments to teach the disciples and the crowds who follow them how to live righteously with one foot in the kingdom of God. Matthew, our gospeler, constantly depicts, consistently depicts Jesus as Moses-like for his predominantly Jewish community. And so we have Jesus on the mountain and he's preaching on the Ten Commandments and the Torah law, and Jesus is telling us what Moses came to know. People violate the commandments. They violate the law. They commit adultery, they covet, they create false idols, and they murder. And so, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is trying to make it just a little harder for us to violate the law. In the first part of our reading, Jesus sets up barriers to murder by telling us that it's wrong to be angry in the first place. Our anger will be judged by others like the Sanhedrin Council and by God. Jesus knows that if we can manage our anger in the first instance, we are less likely to intentionally harm someone emotionally or physically. We are therefore more able to stay in relationship with them. Managing our anger includes refraining from name-calling. For Jesus knows that words of shame and isolation and bullying can also kill. Jesus refers to the fire of hell as punishment for anger. Now, this is not what Dante describes, but rather eternal memory. The everlasting memory that we carry with us when we know our anger has harmed someone. Even small fits of anger can stay with us, which may seem strange until you think that my friend Frank remembered the story of his anger at his sister for over 15 years. The situation is urgent, says Jesus. And so, in addition to reframing from anger in the first place, Jesus emphasizes reconciliation. He does this by engaging in hyperbole to show us what's at stake. And you'll see that this is the technique he uses throughout this entire gospel, the sense of exaggeration and hyperbole. So here he gives us the example of someone who has traveled to Jerusalem from Galilee and is steps away from engaging in a sacrificial rite, who then stops mid-step in the temple, travels back three days to Galilee to to make amends and reconcile with a brother or sister then returning three more days to Jerusalem to finish the sacrifice. This is exaggeration, of course. And it's so that Jesus can make the point that managing our anger is serious business. That righteousness before God involves reconciliation with those who have something against you. Reconciliation in the Greek means to turn an enemy into a friend. But the text here doesn't say who moves first, the one who is angry or the one who receives the anger. For our anger harms everyone, including God. This shouldn't surprise us. The Sermon on the Mount is summarized later in this Gospel of Matthew in the Great Commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Reconciliation is recognized as a form of loving another person and therefore a way of loving God. It's like Frank's story. Frank claims he can act any way toward his sister, which is often what we think when we are angry. And Frank's mother counters this false notion. She says, you cannot treat my daughter this way. And the Ten Commandments and Jesus' extension of them here In this, God says the same. These are my children. You cannot treat them this way. So how do we love one another when we are prone to anger? Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl wrote, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. I think there's something more we can say about this space. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is God's love for us. The love that helps us choose a non-angry response and to grow and find the freedom and wholeness that God desires for us. In our calmer moments, we can visualize scenarios and practice letting God into that space before we respond in anger to a scenario. We can let God be the power that helps us choose a healthy response. For we won't be free from anger until we realize we are harming God each and every time we are angry. We won't be free from anger until we pray for God to enter that space between the stimulus and the response before we act or speak and to give us strength to calm ourselves. And once, as the gospel says, your brother or sister has something against you, we are to heed this gospel call to reconcile ourselves to the other person and to God. And we begin by noticing the problem like the old adage, if one person says there's a problem in a relationship, there's a problem in the relationship. And it needs mending. And then we find the space. This time between the noticing and the mending. And ask God to enter in and take away our anger. God gives us the strength to, to release our anger to God, not on the other person and so that we can love the other person in this way. But reconciliation takes time. It is not forgetting. Rather, it means seeing the other person as a human being who is not the sum of the harm they caused or the sum of the harm they have received. Reconciliation is a gift It is a gift that says your identity is not the harm. It is not the anger. Your identity is that you are a child of God. And this identity is why Frank's story is so apt. Because both Frank and his sister are children of God, and yet both are caught in this cycle of angry responses Frank's mother was protecting them both. She felt the harm deeply to her in their anger. She was protecting them both. For as much as Frank's sister needed protecting from Frank in the moment, Frank needed protection from himself and his anger. Now, Frank has assured me that they reconciled, as children do, just minutes after their mother walked out the door after setting them straight. In this reading, Jesus tries to set us straight too. So let us recognize our own humanity, our own belovedness before God and the humanity and belovedness of the other person. Let us remember that God seeks to protect us all. And it is God who can give us power, the power to resist the anger that bubbles up. And in God's power, there is our freedom. The Dalai Lama was once asked why he refused to hate the people who seized his homeland in Tibet. They've taken my home already, he said. I won't let them take my peace, too. May God's love show us all the way from anger to peace, from broken relationships to reconciliation, and from judgment to righteousness in the eyes of God. Amen.